I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. This is the Joe and Amber podcast. Killing me on first take. My mentions, Joe, have never, ever been more lit than they are right now from first take. And I think it's all Philadelphia. It is all your brethren, your co-Eagle fans. I mean, Eagle Nation accounts have sent out, they've tweeted out or X'd out, whatever the heck we're calling it these days, the videos of me with the commentary picking the Cowboys over the Eagles. How dare I? It's amazing the level of hate right now on the internet. So are you... Are you getting any support from the people that root for the other teams? Like, if you're bashing the Eagles and Eagles fans are coming at you, okay, I understand that. But are any Cowboy fans, like, backing you up? Are you getting any support? Or is this just 100% vitriol? Some. I'm getting some. But I think the Eagles accounts have gone a lot more Oh, wait, wait, wait. Let me clarify. Let me clarify. Not people asking for pictures of your feet, people supporting right, right. Um, your takes. Mm, yeah, yeah. Well, there's that as well. Uh, I, and I've gotten plenty. That's of, big. Plenty of that the last <laughs> few days. Particularly after you and I talked about it on the radio, then like a lot more people slid into my DMs asking for feet pictures because I think they thought it was funny, frankly, because they oh, heard yeah. our conversation about it. Got to advertise. I can't even. I can't even get to those comments anymore. Like if you're asking for feet photos at this point, I'm not even seeing it because all I'm seeing is the visceral hate from Philadelphia. How dare I say that the Cowboys are going to have a better season than the Philadelphia Eagles in 2023? Well, it's a a very, very rough relationship between the Eagle fans and the Cockroach fans. It's, It's always been a problem. That is the team that when they come to town, if you wear the Cowboy jersey into Lincoln Financial Field, someone is going to throw half a beer at you. Mm-hmm. Like, it's going to happen. I'm not saying it should happen. It's, 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 it's quite aggressive. And from what I understand, the link has gotten even more aggressive. I have some friends from my time in the Bay Area who went to the NFC Championship game and tried to support the Niners, and they came out of there on shook status. It was actually, that was quite amusing to me, but I digress. So they're never... Ever. You could have the Eagles projected to go 2-15 and 15 this year. They will not accept the fact that the Cowboys could be better because it's the Cowboys, and the Cowboys always find a way to lose. Mm-hmm. So I would imagine that whatever you said today to get them all fired up, they, they, they were not going to be fine. They were going to respond in kind. All I said was that the Cowboys are going to be better than the Eagles this season. Did you Eagles make a good case? This season. And Did you make reason, a good case? It's not an easy case to make. Let's be honest yeah. about that, right? Bart Scott... Kimberly A. Martin, they were on first take with me. You just heard Bart's voice. He was obviously going after me. He was trying to go after me piece by piece with these teams. And it's not an easy case to make because we just saw the Eagles in a Super Bowl. And we know how great a lot of those pieces are on that Eagles team. They still got the best O-line. They still have great position players. They still have that quarterback. And so it's difficult. Now they have lost some key pieces here on defense. And Javon Hargrave, he goes over to a conference opponent there in the San Francisco 49ers. That's the best defense to me easily in the NFC. And the rich just got richer at the expense of the Philadelphia Eagles. In total, seven guys who started for the Eagles last year 
no longer there. A couple nice rotational pieces there on offense as well. There's change there in Philadelphia. This change from the quarterbacks. I mean, the uh, coordinators. You and I talked about it yesterday. And then also the change in schedule and the change in expectations. It is not the same season for Philadelphia that they had this past season when things fell perfectly into place. On paper, the Cowboys are a stacked team. It's not that crazy of a take, right? No. I mean, these teams weren't that far apart. Everyone's acting like I chose the Houston Texans over the Philadelphia Eagles. I chose the Cowboys. They finished just behind the Eagles in the division, and they split that series last year with the Eagles. It's 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 much closer than the fans of Philadelphia will, will let on. It, it is very close. And there are people here in Las Vegas who are smart, who believe the Cowboys are the bet to win the division this year. So I don't think when you make that case, you're, you're making a bad case. They can disagree all they want, but it's a valid case. If, if someone came on to say the commanders were going to be better than the Eagles, then you know we'll usher them out the side door and they can go speak out in some crowded alleyway to the other unique individuals who are out there and they can all form their own little community and get together every Tuesday night at 8.30. But for the Cowboy-Eagle conversation, it's legitimate. The thing is, with the Cowboys, you kind of have to see it. And that's where people people struggle. Because again, it comes back to the idea of recency bias. Every time we see the Cowboys in the playoffs, they find a way to flame out. Therefore, they will continue to flame out. That logic doesn't follow. It doesn't make sense. They could break through. They are a stacked defense. They have a lot of weapons on offense. There's a lot of talent there. Philadelphia, yeah, they lost a lot of guys. But they also stocked up with guys like Jalen Carter coming out of Georgia. Philadelphia might be the deepest team in the NFL. They, They really might be. They were able to figure out a way to keep Bradbury and Slay probably the best corner combination in the NFL. They found a way to keep them. They lost some guys, but they did reload. So, again, it is their division until proven otherwise, but there is a good case to be made for the Cowboys. As an Eagle fan, I have to admit that. It's funny because, and you heard Bart there say off the top, you heard it there in that montage, like the first place he went is who has the better secondary, right? Who has the better corners? And if you're going piece by piece, yes, of course. And he also kept making the Jalen Carter argument. And the Jalen Carter argument's a strong one, but also I haven't seen him in the National Football League yet, right? So this idea that the Eagles are just not going to miss any beat at all feels overstated to me. Everyone's confidence level in the Eagles, and I'm not suggesting they're not going to be very good. They're still going to be very good. Do not get me wrong about that. Jalen Hurts is still going to be very good. But if we're talking about who's winning that division, I don't think it's crazy to say the team that finished two games behind that other team and is stacked also on both sides of the ball with talent could win that division. That is not a crazy take. And frankly, if the Cowboys don't win that division, it affects everything else because I think Mike McCarthy then is on the hot seat because he just took the onus on himself as a coordinator. It's also a contract year for Dak Prescott. So he needs to win this division because he's playing for an extension. So the motivation level for Dak, Mike McCarthy, and that Dallas Cowboys team, I think is going to be even extra compared to the motivation level in Philadelphia for a quarterback that solidified himself this past season and got paid. All right, so let's start with this. Who do you think has the better head coach? Oh, I, I mean, I, I mean, not a Tim Wakefield knuckleball. It's yeah. literally the conversation we are currently I mean, having. I feel like we're going now you're going the Bart Scott route. 
Not the Bart Scott route. We're having a conversation. I, I told you from the beginning, I thought you made a good case and that there's a case to be made. I'm just curious. I'm going to ask a series of questions here. I just would like the answer. I don't think, I'm not asking you to split the atom. Which coach do you think is better, Sirianni or McCarthy? And keep hard, in mind, you're on first take bashing McCarthy this right. week. I have the receipts. You do. Uh, you do. So say Sirianni so I, we can keep it moving. It's, it, right. It's hard for me to argue against Sirianni. Yeah, it's Sirianni. Right? Okay, thank you. So Sirianni, the Eagles have the better head coach. Who's the better quarterback, Jalen Hurts or Dak Prescott? Jalen. Okay, so we've got the better head coach and the better. Who's got the better wide receiving unit? The Eagles. Wow, Okay. Um, what about the defense? I mean, you th- are you arguing? What are you, what, are you arguing against that? <laughs> I'm not arguing anything. I'm just asking questions. So, Who has the better defense? Okay, so this is where I think it gets interesting because this is what I was because you're going to answer Bart. Philadelphia, and somehow you're going to pick Dallas to win a no. division where the better coach, no. quarterback, receivers, and defense no. are all in Philadelphia. I, I'm not convinced that Philadelphia has the better defense. I saw the Cowboys Woo! hang forty. You see against- that Philadelphia unit last year? I did, but again. Five starters on defense. They, now. they, the they Philadelphia Eagle defense. Over. What does the, Carter look like? I mean, there's, there's the Philadelphia Eagle here. defense had the San Francisco 49ers playing a running back at quarterback. They're so nasty. They knocked every quarterback out of that game to where Christian McCaffrey had the play quarterback. I mean, kind of. I, I, I don't, I, I know you always give them the credit for that. Brock Purdy got a really weird pitcher's. Style, they got drilled. I believe it was beside, by Hassan Reddick. Right, but I mean, you're I, it, the thing is, like, yes, you can get a hit on a guy and you can knock him out of a game. That doesn't make you a good defense, and it certainly doesn't make you the elite defense. When we're comparing these two defenses, I could see the Cowboys' defense being better this season than that Philadelphia Eagles' defense. I don't think that's a crazy take. The Cowboys did score forty on that super elite Eagles' defense last season, right? It's not like they were completely impenetrable. Yeah, and I am talking about the team with Micah Parsons. You know, I'm talking about with but in that same game, the best defensive player in the entire league. In that same game, Dallas. Gave up 34 to a Philadelphia team led by Gardner Minshew. Well, and they were both playing. They split that series, don't forget. Cowboys won one, Eagles won one, both of them with the backup quarterback. Right, but the one the Eagles won with the backup quarterback, the Eagle defense only gave up 17 points. That's very reasonable. In the Philadelphia Dallas game late in the season when Hertz was out, Minshew still hung 34 on Dallas. So you find that Eagles defense, even now with the pieces changed, you think, and, and obviously the coordinator, now I know you weren't a big believer in that DC, but with the coordinator change as well, you find that Eagles defense to be as good as it was last season. What I find is the ability to sandbag the hell out of you in a segment like this by setting you up at the beginning to say, yeah, you make you a great case. To use the and then I just, w- I just went right to the body for the final three rounds. And, and I, and I, all you Philadelphia fans out there, I got you. Your, your <laughs> boys got Amber you. is presented by Progressive Insurance. Save when you bundle motorcycle, RV and boat insurance, visit progressive.com. Philadelphia might have some better pieces if we want to piece this whole thing together. They do not have the better schedule. That was last year. It's a very different season this year and different, very different expectations. Coming up next here on Joe and Amber, how high should expectations be for the Giants this season after making the playoffs in 2022? ESPN Radio is also on the ESPN app. Joe and Amber, the podcast. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you will hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. 
And that is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and, not as um, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. It's only a kick, a jump, a block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle, a run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Is NFL action. Wow, this song is aggressive, James. My goodness. It's good. What is this? <laughs> this is Papa Roach. Oh, okay. Yeah. Papa Roach. Got it. A James Steele special here. I can barely hear you. How loud are you playing this? I, I mean, very loud. Because apparently they love some Papa Roach back there in the control Jeez. room. I thought I had uh, lowered the volume on it, but I guess I didn't. This is the... Concert you're going to take her daughter yeah, to, huh? Yeah. It's just the sounds of Papa old daughter, We're taking her to her first, first concert, concert, and this gonna is going to be it. Yep. Right. All right. My first concert <laughs> Very excited. was Paula Abdul, and Color Me Bad opened for Paula Abdul. Oh, wow. And they sang the, you know, I Want to Sex You Up song, and oh. my mom put her hands over my ears. I Ear was muffs. six years old, except for the problem with that <laughs> is you can hear through hands oh, when yeah, it's a yeah. concert. So all that did was mark my memory for the rest of my life. And now I am 40 years old and I vividly remember that moment in life because all I wanted to know was why my mom was trying to put her hands over yeah, my ears. They make it so worse. It, it made it worse. It intrigued me. <laughs> and I have never forgotten that. And I love that song to this day. <laughs> my uh, first concert was the Beach Boys. Wow. The Beach Boys. My lame. dad took me and my brother. I think I may have been like five. My brother may have been three. He took the two of us. It was at the Allentown Fairgrounds, the Great Allentown Fair, ladies and gentlemen. Wow. You never forget your first concert. I think that's like a really big moment. And it's a cool moment that you can have with your parents. And James is going to give that moment to his daughter with that. Papa Roach. Yeah. She'll Hardcore. be telling this story one day. She can you believe it. how crazy my dad is? He took I'm me to be, a Papa Roach concert. I'm going to be headbanging. It's going to be awesome. <laughs> it's going to be awesome. I'm so, I'm so excited. She's going to be crowd surfing. You're going to put her in the mosh no, pit? No, we have seats, so. That's good. I, I, I felt like it might have been a little aggressive to go into the pit. Just a tad. Yeah. At Joe Fortin, by the time you find him, at Amber W Sports, that is how you find me. ESPN Radio is presented to you by Progressive Insurance. So we've got NFL action right now. The New York Giants in preseason action are up on the Carolina Panthers by a touchdown, 7-zip. And so let's talk about these teams, Joe, because the New York Giants, I think, are a team that a lot of people expect to take a step back, and I am not one of them. Giants a very interesting team this year. I think they set the bar very high because of how well they played last year when it wasn't expected. Brian Dable came over from Buffalo immediately, led Daniel Jones to the best season of his career to the point where the Giants thought, yeah, 
it turns out he could be a franchise quarterback. Let's pay him. And then from there, you saw him get to the playoffs. They go into Minnesota and beat the Vikings and then get beat by the Eagles, but no shame in that. You make it to the divisional round in a year where no one even expected you to have a winning season. So there's a lot to build on moving forward, but there's still a lot of work to be done. And I think that's where people are getting ahead of themselves. Because of what they saw last season, they feel another step forward is coming. The reality is it might be a step back, but that doesn't mean they got worse. It just means it's tougher circumstances. Last year, they, along with everyone in the NFC East, had a cakewalk of a schedule. This year, listen to how this season's going to start for the Giants. You're going to host the Dallas Cowboys on Sunday Night Football. Then you're traveling to play Arizona. Then you're at San Francisco. Then you host Seattle. Then you're at Miami, at Buffalo. Then you're going to host Washington and the Jets. Then at the Raiders and at the Cowboys and at Washington. I go through that quickly, and if you're listening, you might be thinking, why are you going so fast I can't process this? The point I'm trying to get at, three, four, five, six, seven, one, two, three, four, seven of the first 11 games are on the road. All right, four of the first six are on the road. This is an extremely difficult run. There's no bye week until week 13. And then you're going to come off the bye and you get the Packers, the Saints, the Eagles, the Rams, the Eagles again. So if the Giants take a step back from a record perspective, it doesn't necessarily mean that they're a worse football team. They're just facing much tougher circumstances this year. I think that the circumstances matter, and I'm not going to say they don't matter because obviously I just argued otherwise with the Philadelphia Eagles. <laughs> so I do find that to be a compelling argument. But I think that there's this idea out there that the Giants somehow got worse in terms of personnel as well. Or maybe people are doubting Daniel Jones still. And listen, I don't think Daniel Jones is, you know, the next coming. Like, I'm not saying he's Patrick Mahomes. But I do think Daniel Jones proved to us last season that he is a competent quarterback to run that system. And if Brian Dayball didn't think so, he wouldn't have let the Giants commit to Daniel Jones moving forward, right, in terms of that big contract. I think that they have an excellent coach there in New York. I believe in that. I think that they have added weapons to this team. They got Waller from the Raiders. That does give Jones that big-bodied presence in the middle of the field that he needs. They added some you know, receivers, a slot receiver, Campbell and Hyatt they added. They upgraded their defense a little bit. They spent big money there on linebackers. So I actually could make the argument that personnel-wise, the New York Giants are better than they were last season. Plus, you were able to retain both Saquon and Daniel Jones. I know how contentious it got there with Saquon Barkley, but they put him in an incentive-based contract, and it's another contract year for Saquon. So he will be playing for his career as well from that perspective. I understand that circumstances matter. I just think in terms of personnel and also just the development of Daniel Jones and a coach, I could see them taking a step forward. They're moving in the right direction. If you're a Giants fan, after going through the whole thing with Joe Judge and, and, and everything that's happened the last few years, this is an organization that lost its way. Under Tom Coughlin, with the Mara family, and with the front office they had put together, this, this was one of the premier organizations. They might not win every year, but they were, you could, your fan base was proud. Much like the Steelers. You just had a proud product you put out there every year. They lost their way for a while. Dables brought that back. No matter what, the Giants are at least competent, which is something they weren't under Gettleman and all his coaches. We'll see who's going to get in the zone in tonight's preseason game between the Giants and the Panthers. Get in the zone is brought to you by AutoZone. Get in the zone. AutoZone. Coming up next, could more quarterbacks' sneaks be in the cards for the reigning NFL MVP? We'll get into it. ESPN Radio is also on the ESPN app. 
Joe and Amber, the podcast. Reggie White, who's a defensive end for the Green Bay Packers, says that the firebombing of his church in Knoxville, Tennessee this week was the work of racists who may have been trying to hurt him. First there was one fire, then there was another, then there was another. It wasn't just Reggie's church that burnt down. Hundreds of churches burned in the 90s. I think we have a major problem in our country that we don't want to admit, and that has to do with racism. Was this 1996 or 1956? 30 for 30 podcast and Antsgate presents Through the Flames. Listen now wherever you get your podcasts. Death is the only punishment here. Now streaming, FX's Shogun. My master asks, what do you seek here? To vanquish our common enemies. Based on the global bestseller by James Clavell. War is coming. The epic saga of war, passion, and power. Let it come. FX's Shogun. Now streaming on Hulu him on social at Joe Fortenbaugh. That's Joe Fortenbaugh. You can find me as well. At Amber W Sports. I'm Amber Wilson. Look how that works. You know what yeah. we do here on Joe and Amber when both of us are actually on Joe and Amber, which has been very refreshing this week that both of us are actually on Joe and Amber. It's, it's been, been an nice easy little... week. It's yeah. been a very easy week. I very much enjoyed it. See? See, you missed me, kid. You didn't even yeah, of know. of course. You, you, you miss missed me. you. Miss working with James. We got the whole group together. I had to deal with Cardi last week. It was a nightmare. <laughs> Absolute nightmare. Oh, poor Nick Cardi. Uh, let's uh, get to sound on, sound off. They said it, but what did they really mean? What are you trying to say to us? Sound on, sound off with Joe and Amber. Speaking of James Steele, here's our producer, James. Yeah, it looks like uh, Bryce Young is just like running for his life out there. Is he again? They're going to get him killed. They're going to get him killed. That O-line stinks. They're dealing with some injuries, but that O-line stinks. And you're going to see Houston's O-line stink as well. These poor quarterbacks are going to be running for their lives this year. Yeah, he just... He just looks terrified. I would be. All right. I mean, he's so little, too. It's just... It's crazy. All right. uh, So... I mean, we're going to start with the Chiefs here. Ever oh, since Patrick Mahomes. For the wow. love of God, Come man. Come on, James. There's more stories yeah. in the world than just Come the Chiefs. On. Injured his knee on a QB sneak in a Thursday night game against the Broncos in the 2019 season. Andy Reid has, for good reason, shied away from letting the two-time Super Bowl MVP sneak the ball in short yardage situations. But Mahomes is hoping that he can change his coach's mind going forward. Any discussion with Andy about putting that quarterback sneak back in the I always want to because I always say that I, I've, I haven't got stopped yet. But because but, even the one that my knee, I got hurt on, I still got the first down. Um, but uh, I'm pretty sure he's he's not going to let me do it unless it's like for the Super Bowl or not. So uh, I might have to call my own number in the Super Bowl if we get there. Joe, you're a fan of a team that just constantly runs quarterback sneaks. This is one of the most unstoppable plays in the history of the NFL. Is Andy Reid too cautious when it comes to his quarterback in short yardage situations? I'm going to choose to abstain from this conversation. Consider this a formal protest of the <laughs> abundance of Kansas City Chiefs content that is forced into this show. That's fair. So I'm going to choose to abstain. I am That's not fair. going to answer your question. How, how do you feel about that? Wow. Yeah, take that, James. That is fair. Uh, I, I don't feel much about this. To be perfectly honest, I feel like Andy Reid has very good reason. Whoa, whoa. You had a perfect to opportunity to stand in solidarity oh, with okay. me, and you crossed the picket oh, line? Oh, no, no, no. All right, I am in Scab. solidarity. 
I'm in solidarity. No, beat it. Joe. Go ahead and give your. I don't want you on my side. Go ahead and give your give your take. Answer his little question, and then on? guess what? He's now going to be encouraged to do it again next week. Just uh, Andy Reid's doing the right thing. We just we, we just uh, talked about how it's so nice being back together, and then no, it's not. I was you lying. Just turned you turned heel on me. Yeah. This is also them, both Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes, just paving the way for him to do a QB sneak, right? In a big moment, like 100%. They, here's the thing with them. Uh, they don't really struggle to move the ball down the field. I don't know if they need that play in the arsenal. Although, to be honest, Tom Brady used to do it quite – Brady was the master mm-hmm. of when they'd get nine yards – on second and eight and second and ten, they'd come running up to the line. He'd sneak it before anyone could get settled. That's what teams need to focus on: not lining up and giving everyone a chance to stop you. Rush up to the line of scrimmage, catch the defense out of position, sneak it for a yard, and then get up and keep moving. Seems like you crossed the picket line too. Go ahead, James. Yeah, I, I think you guys would fold. <laughs> I'm a content machine. I couldn't stop. I have the way in. All right. So uh, this next thing is just fun sound in yesterday's media availability. Dolphins quarterback Tua Tagovailoa gave us a look into how plays are called in the uh, Miami Dolphins huddle. Here, listen to this. I can give you guys a play, and then if you guys want to repeat it after me, as if you guys were in the huddle, you guys can. All right. Should I go once or twice saying it? Once? All right, we got North right, Clamp, South Fox, H-Top, Pass 38, Top Gumby, XP, Sweat. Let's go. Anyone? I got North right, I'll right, on, 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 Clamp. I got North. Sounds like a false start to us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sounds, sounds like a pre-snap penalty to me. Oh, my gosh. And we heard, uh, if you watch the, the Netflix documentary, Quarterback, you heard a lot of that in there. So we've been getting a lot of this. Uh, lately, but Amber, what do you think of uh, your quarterback's play calling ability? I mean, I always knew about these play calls, but when you hear them, it's remarkable. And you reference their quarterback on Netflix. Kirk Cousins goes through a whole series of them on that show. It is insane. The amount of information that quarterbacks have to know. I mean, it is just a, it's an absolute study position, Joe. It really, if you watch that show, you really get how academic that position is and how good of a memory you have to have at all times. Because at least the guys who are listening to the play call, you're just listening for your cue at your given position, right? So you just need to know your cue. What does that mean for you, for your positioning on that play and what you're doing? You're listening for your route hit, whatever it is. But the actual quarterback has to call out everybody's so that everybody knows what's happening and it has to know every angle of the play. It's remarkable. It's no wonder that it's so hard to be an elite quarterback or any level of quarterback in any level and nevertheless get to the national football league. Think about being a road team in Seattle, fourth quarter, Monday night football. You're trying to drive down the field late in the game to score. The 12th man's going crazy. It's raining. Mm -hmm. Everything is just miserable. And you're trying to hear something like that every freaking detail of that so you can then try to get it communicated to a bunch of guys so that you guys can go out and execute the play oh by the way you have about 30 seconds to pull all that off and you better make it look good or we're going to crush you on radio the next day like that is it is remarkable i can barely hear the director in my ear when she says something as simple as turn to camera two i'm always like what did she just say Mm -hmm. and then you'll see if you're watching me on tv i'm staring at the wrong camera and everyone else is looking where they're supposed to look that happens quite a bit it's really pathetic it's happened to me uh, numerous times this week it's hard i mean even when james talks in my ear particularly if i'm talking it is incredibly hard to be able to process it all but you're right quarterbacks are doing it they're hearing the play in their headset they're regurgitating things Marcus Mariota on that 
Netflix show. He's studying with his wife. They're going through all the plays like they have, you know, every Thursday or whatever it is. And they're just going through the plays and the plays. And she's just sitting there with him for hours calling out the plays. And he has to tell her what they are, essentially. It's so much studying. It's really impressive to hear. All right. So uh, apparently Stephen A. Smith is a Swifty. Uh, it's not something I would expect him to learn today, but here we are, and here's Stephen A. Uh, talking about being a fan of the superstar singer. Now, y'all know that Taylor Swift, you know, doing concerts all over the country. I have two daughters. Teenagers have friends, and so when your dad is perceived as having money, and you got daughters that open their mouths and promises them that daddy's going to get them tickets. Ladies and I had to get 10 tickets. Them damn things was $2,000 a piece. Two times 10 is $20,000. My man, Mark Shapiro, he gave me two free tickets. Not only did I send my daughters back to the concert, daddy actually went with her. Me at a Taylor Swift concert. But I said, I'm going to go see her. That best concert I've been to in my life. Excuse my language, but that was off the chain. Taylor Swift brought the damn house down. I was jamming to Taylor Swift. She was sensational. I'd pay to see her again. Seriously. I'm not joking. She was a superstar that night. That girl is special. Joe. That's amazing. Joe, first of all, are you surprised that it's it's apparently now Stephen A. Swifty? Uh, Secondly, (laughs) yeah. Also, by the way, just the perception, Joe, that he's rich. Not actually that he's rich, although $20,000 on tickets to a concert. Yeah, Yeah, he casually casually dropped that in. a perception there, Stephen. I've seen him at title fights before, and if you want to you wanna talk to him, you, A, have to go to him, and B, he's in a much better spot than you are. And by you, I mean me. He was in a much better spot. So, yeah, I, I know how he rolls. It's very impressive. It's, a, it's as it should be. He's very on brand. I'm not surprised at all by this because Taylor Swift has captured the planet's attention. This, this, this tour she's on should be the type of thing that business school students have to study and learn about when they're going for their degrees because it is just a marvel of production, of marketing, advertising, merchandising, execution, all that stuff. I also find it amazing that she turned down the Super Bowl halftime show for this year. The fact that she has now gotten so big she can turn down the Super Bowl halftime show is one of the biggest flexes I've ever seen in my life. Like, could you think of a bigger flex right now than someone turning down the Super Bowl? That show makes you millions well, from what does, happens with all the to, downloads after. But you have to pay for it now. And so right, I do feel you like still it's better to money. do it. Yeah, you absolutely end up making money. But it, it, I think you have to be strategic now about when you do that show because it does bring so many eyeballs to you and it does sort of launch you in a new way. And so if you're Rihanna, you were making a comeback Right. Like if you've been kind of out of the spotlight for a few years, Rihanna, you know, having a family, all that sort of stuff. She'd taken a little hiatus. It made sense for her to do the Super Bowl halftime show with Taylor Swift. She's at the top of the top, the height of the height. Why would she add that to her schedule right now? In the midst of this world tour that's already made her like a gajillion dollars, so much money that she's just giving back tens of millions of dollars to her crew as she should. It was a heck of a move there by Taylor Swift. But I don't feel like right now is the time for her. In other words, like wait a few years until you need to launch a new album or something and then do the Super Bowl halftime show. She must be remarkable. 
I, I, I'm not. Like, I'm assuming. Uh, think about this. When this tour is done, she will obviously take a break to some extent. Mm-hmm. When she launches her next tour. What is that going to look like? Well, I don't, how do you do? Yeah, like you can't top this one, right? From I, I, you're going to have to try, and when you uh, try, even if you don't succeed, the tickets for the next one, given what this one has done, I don't even know how you're going to. I just, I, yeah, I, I don't shudder know how you do to it. think. If, if I mean, she's she's must be one of the best performers of all time. I would think. no question. Stephen A's Taylor, gushing over her, right? I mean, the thing is with Taylor Swift, her. I, I mean. Or, how rabbit, how rabbit are Swifties? Because I'm a little scared here. Oh yeah, like, you're Taylor gonna, you Swift. might make some people. Why don't you? Here. Why don't oh, you like stop best, offending everybody? How like about you just say song? something nice? Can you imagine oh, right now what's about to come out of my mouth? Can you imagine if there is a Swiftie in Philadelphia listening to this show tonight? There's plenty. There's so plenty. The thing is with Taylor Swift, she's an excellent songwriter, an excellent performer, an excellent artist. The voice. I mean, she doesn't have the biggest. Oh my God, James! Just cut her off. Cut her voice off. Cut her voice off. How about that? She's not. You know. I know. No, that's. This is a terrible take. I don't know any. I I barely know any Taylor Swift songs. This is a terrible take. Get into his mentions, not mine, please. The commander. You make me look so lovable. You make me look lovable, which is so hard to do. The 2022 or 23 season. I don't even know what year it is now. Now I'm discombobulated. We're going to talk about the commanders next. Joe and Amber, the podcast. It's missed a real opportunity to come back with a Taylor Swift song (laughs) in the control room. Feel like that would have been the move. Tune into an AL East rivalry and tomorrow is the Yankees host the Red Sox. Coverage begins at 1230 Eastern on ESPN Radio and on the ESPN app. ESPN Radio presented to you by Progressive Insurance. So we got some news today about the Washington Commanders. And frankly, Joe, I don't really know why this is such huge news because I thought we already knew this. But Ron Rivera named Sam Howell as QB1 for the Washington Commanders. I mean, were you under the impression somebody else was going to be QB1? Because I felt like they were going to roll with Howell. I was not. But it's a smart move. You make the big presentation. It gets newsy. People talk about you. This is that time of year where we are all clinging to any piece of information from the NFL that you will give us. We will all talk about it, dissect it, consume it. It's one of the most wonderful times of year. So to announce this, I don't think it catches anyone by surprise. And now we turn our attention to the Sam Howell era. What's it going to mean for a Washington team that... There are a lot of big question marks there. How's a question mark, obviously. The offensive line is a huge question mark. Defensively, they were solid last season, but they don't force a lot of turnovers. They ranked 26th in takeaways last year, so they're going to need to improve upon that. On top of that, they weren't a very good team last year, which indicates that they should have a favorable schedule this season. They do not. Them and the Raiders are the only two bottom 10 teams with top 10 schedules in terms of difficulty. That's how bad of a draw the Raiders and Commanders got this offseason. You said they were a solid defense last season. To me, they were an underperforming defense last season, though, because a lot of people were really hot on that Commanders defense as we went into last season. Now, obviously, a difficult season for a multitude of reasons, and the ownership change being part of that conversation always when you're talking about this team. But with Sam Howell now at quarterback, I do feel like that that could go either way because we're talking about a guy that 
in his junior year there at UNC was projected to be a first round draft pick. And then the senior year didn't go the same way and, and, and he dropped. We saw him start in one game, I think, last season for them. He was fine, right? But we really haven't seen much of him in the NFL. Could they have a diamond in the rough? That talent was there in college at one point, is my point. So I could actually see Sam Hell being better than people expect. That defense being better than people expect because I do think that they've got the pieces and they underperformed this past season. I wonder, is there a world that we could live in that we're all overlooking the Washington commanders and they could be like, you know, okay. I think that's reasonable. They won eight games last year, but they weren't really an eight win team. When you dive into some of it, I'm not going to waste anyone's time with those analytics. It's boring and it's Friday night. Uh, defensively last year. I mean, they were without chase young chase young's coming back. They draft the corner, Emmanuel Forbes out of Mississippi state. He's a player. He's a player. So that unit should be pretty solid. The big question here is how good is Eric Bieniemy, the new offensive coordinator? What we saw in Kansas City was obviously spectacular. But when you're working with Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes, you start to wonder how much of it is them, how much of it is you. I'm not going to knock him at all. I'm giving him a clean slate. I'm giving him every benefit of the doubt going into this season. But this is not Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid. This is not Kansas City. He's going to have his work cut out for him. So I think that's the most fascinating angle for the commanders heading into the season is how much Eric Bieniemy, the offensive coordinator, is going to be able to take this unit and a young quarterback in Sam Howe and get them up to the next level. Kind of like how that could go either way for me as well, right? Like maybe we find out that Eric Bieniemy is amazing. And that's certainly we why could, he very much there. so. Because he wants the opportunity to prove it away from Andy Reid. We could also find out that it was Andy Reid. And maybe it wasn't so much Eric Bieniemy. I feel like Ron Rivera is a good coach. I'm somebody who's been on in on Ron Rivera. Even though certainly it hasn't panned out in Washington so far like we have expected. Louis Riddick, ESPN's NFL analyst. He was on SportsCenter. He said commanders might not be a joke. I don't know if many people really believe that Washington can really be a factor in the East considering how strong Philadelphia and Dallas is, but I believe this. I believe Biennemi is going to show people once and for all that, you know what, I can call plays too, and I've got some weapons here to work with, and Sam Howell is going to be right in the center of that. And I think this young man, although last year he only started one game and has a super small sample size, he's going to burst onto the scene and people are going to go, Sam Howell guy's pretty good. This Eric Biennemi guy can call some plays. Washington's no joke. It's a new day down there in the nation's capital. I truly do believe that. The problem for me here in them proving that to us is that division. I mean, it just so happens that Washington's in the best division in that conference. And we can make a strong argument, of course, for the Cowboys and the Eagles, which we've done. You and I have even made an argument here for the Giants. So it's the competition the commanders are about to run into that's the problem for me. Absolutely. Absolutely. And if they don't win 11 games this year, that doesn't mean it was a failure. I like what Lewis says. He's keeping an optimistic mind. Eric Bienevy, I agree with him, deserves the benefit of the doubt. I thought he did a real nice job in Kansas City because if he didn't, he would have been gone. That's the thing. The Chiefs are competing for Super Bowls year in and year out, and they have a legitimate chance to win a Super Bowl year in and year out. So if the guy in that role, whatever everyone wants to define that role to be, if the guy in that role isn't doing a good job, they're going to get rid of him, and they're going to plug someone in who's going to help them achieve that goal of winning the Super Bowl. The enemy was there for a while, so it's clear that they had a good working relationship with him. They liked him, and he did a good job. Schedule for the commanders this year, interesting start. You're going to host Arizona. You can win that game. Then you're going to Denver. Then you host Buffalo. Then you're at Philly. Then you host Chicago. Then you're at Atlanta. Then you're at the Giants. Then the Eagles, Patriots, Seahawks, Giants, Cowboys, 
Dolphins bye. They don't have a bye till week 14, which is an incredible Crazy. disadvantage. It Crazy. might not even matter by that point. Like, you right. want the bye to matter. It's a very up and down schedule, though, throughout it, right? It's like they start off easy, then they run into the Bills and the Eagles, then they get a little bit easier again with Bears, Falcons. Giants, obviously, division rivals, so it starts getting a little bit harder again. You see the Eagles again, then it gets a little bit easier again with the Patriots, right? So it's kind of a very up-and-down schedule for them. But, man, that light bye, that is a long time to wait for a bye week. Without question. Absolutely without question. By that, you want the bye right around week eight, week nine. You want to be able to recharge, get healthy, and then look ahead to the second half of the season. You don't want it in week three or week four. You don't want it in week 14 when you're so banged up. You might be four games out of first place, and it doesn't even matter with the rest. There is a lot riding on this season for the Washington Commanders, the future of Sam Howell, the future of Eric Bieniemy, maybe as well, him ever having the opportunity to be a head coach in the league and how good he looks away from Andy Reid, maybe even the future of Ron Rivera. Coming up next, What's going to be considered a successful season for the Ravens this year? We'll get into it. Joe and Amber, the podcast.